Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of In the Pocket with Chip G, and I am your host, Kevin Chip Ginyard. I am Chip G, 203 Chip G. I bring you greetings from Atlanta, Georgia, by way of Bridgeport, Connecticut. So that's where the 203 comes from. This is my podcast, and we're on episode five, and I'm excited about tonight because I get to sit down with an icon, uh, a legend from where I'm from in, in our small state of Connecticut, but he has also touched the world through music, through the power of music. Let's talk about what being in the pocket is. Uh, like James Brown, the funky drummer, the drum track is a perfect example of finding your groove. It's locking in and doing what feels best to support the song, the acting role, or the art that you're creating. This podcast was created to provide information and advice for upcoming artists, mus- musicians, background singers, songwriters, producers, and so on and so forth. We want to give you the game. We want to help you understand what it means to get into the industry and what it takes to get into the industry and then stay and have a successful career in the business. So I'm excited about tonight because I get to sit down with this guy. Uh, he's big stuff. He's, he's, he's not a, just a, a normal, regular producer. This is a super producer. If you heard my, my promotion this week, I've been saying super producer Troy Oliver. Super producer because this guy has touched the world through the power of his music. And he's very humble, he's very likable and very relatable. And we're going to get to know his story. He's going to tell us how he sustained a successful career in this music business for over the last 25 years. And he's a young young man. And guess what? Tomorrow's his birthday. So we get to celebrate his birthday a day in advance. So I'm so happy that he took time out of his busy schedule to come on and be my guest on my show, Episode 5, with super producer Troy Oliver. Welcome to the show, bro. You. What's good, man? What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Good, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate no, it. No problem, man. You are a behind-the-scenes guy. You know, I don't. we don't see you all in the limelight, all in the videos. You know nope. what I mean? You are a laid-back dude, so <laughs> I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you for doing that. No doubt, man. Anytime. So hailing from our home state, right? We're from Connecticut. By, yeah. you know, from We both are in Atlanta now, but we're, we're mm-hmm. originally from Connecticut. So I'm honored to sit down with you. Um, you're a father, a super producer, a, a seasoned musician that's created a name in the industry that commands respect. And it's Gemini season as well. So hey. tomorrow's your, yeah, hey. it's your, it's your, hey. your birthday tomorrow. So we want to celebrate you, man. So happy Appreciate birthday it. to you, bro. Appreciate happy you, birthday man. in Thank advance, you. man. Thank you. Bless. This show, this show is to give people, and I was telling you in the green room, this show is to help mm-hmm. people find their way, and what better way than the people that have done it and you know paved the way, that have been in the trenches, have gone from every stage in the game, from you know entry level to success, and mm-hmm. so we just want to hear your story, and you can drop some gems and help us find our groove, find our niche, help us get in the pocket and stay there. The musical term in the okay. pocket is when you find that beat, that groove. And you, you lock in right. and you stay right there. We don't mean stay right there in your ability, but stay right there as far as your mentality, grinding, right. pushing, you know, to, to mm-hmm. succeed. So um, I just want to celebrate some of the people that I have connections to and and, and, and I have networked with that can help right. these people, you know, aspire to do better and find their groove and find their niche. So thank you for doing this. And let's okay. get right into it, bro. You ready? Let's go. Let's, let's go. go. Let's go. So um, let's give a little background story. Let's talk about, you know, we're both from Connecticut, so mm-hmm. how was it growing up in Connecticut? Um, Connecticut, as you know, is uh, so funny story. <laughs> it's right. a lot of funny stories. You know, we live in Atlanta now. Um, yes, I'm in. I'm out actually on the outskirts of Atlanta. Like, right. Little, um, they say I live in Africa when I tell it's, people where I live. I know I live in Georgia, in, right? 
Yeah, not that far. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna say it in town because I'm right. too nosy. I don't know exactly. Play no, all I, there, but I live out there, but yeah. So whenever I meet someone, you know, randomly in a restaurant or just meet someone new, like, where are you from? Just yep. this happened a couple of days ago. I'm from Connecticut. I'm sitting down eating, and a couple of young ladies over there talking to me. And my boy's like, where are you from? So I'm from Connecticut. She's like, is black people in Connecticut? Absolutely. Like, Every day. Every day of my life. Yeah, bro. yeah. So, you know, we don't, you know, Connecticut is not really recognized too much worldly, not worldly, but in the country. Like, you know, yeah. people are shocked when they say you're from Connecticut. You know, oh, you black. Oh, and you cool black. You're not like bougie. Like, you know, you're not. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, all they know is Yale. All they know right. is, is Yale and uh, the the uh, the base in, in Groton. Yeah, yeah, sub base. Uh, yeah, sub base. Yeah, the sub base yeah. in Groton. They know Yale and they know UConn, right? And that's about and, it. And the casinos. And the, and the casinos, definitely. Foxwoods, Mohegan. Right. Yeah. And then they know they know about some of the bad things about the state, but so, then but yeah. most people don't know, you know, that we're yeah. a state rich in talent and rich yeah. in uh in uh in in musical prowess. So yeah. Yeah. We're gonna get down to the bottom of yeah. that. So, how was it growing up so, here? Like, we're not a known um, area. We're a small state. So, for me, I, I grew up in two parts of Connecticut. Okay. Um, I was born in New Haven, Connecticut. Me too. But <laughs> moved Yale. Yeah. Right. Moved to West Haven when I was like two or three. So I spent a lot of my younger years in West Haven, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved out of West Haven when I was like fourteen, fifteen. Oh wow. Back to New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. So I have I I was raised with a good cultural blend. Did you go to Hill House or West Haven High? Both. Both. Wow. This, that's what I'm trying to tell you. So like my freshman year was at West Haven High. So a lot of people that not from Connecticut may not understand West Haven High was like when I was coming up, it was predominantly <laughs> a white school. Absolutely. My predominantly mom white town. Like, you know, West that's Haven what, was known. It was the birth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the birth. So, you know, my cultural influences coming up were, you know, all kind of music, you know, listen to eighties pop yeah. rock, you know, like Made all you diverse. that. Yeah, yeah. Then I had the hip hop, then I had the church. Then I went to uh, a white church growing up as well too. So I have that influence, you know what I'm saying? Musically and creatively as well. Yeah. Especially, you know, then being from a black church cause my grandfather was black pastor, you know, yeah. all that. So, the influences for me was like a big, just like pot of gumbo of all yeah. kind of cultures, mm-hmm. um, musically, just, you know, just everything, musically, spiritually, uh, culturally, my friends, I had, you know, a rainbow of friends, you know what I'm saying? Black, white, Hispanic, Africans, yeah. Mexicans. It's like, I, that's how I grew up. So, you know, it was yeah, very- Yeah, people don't know um, that it's very diverse in Connecticut, right? very diverse you wouldn't you wouldn't think you would think it was predominantly you know a caucasian state but yeah. no we we're or melting pot you know yeah very more diverse. so more so than the south you know up north there's more diversity more different yeah. kinds of food different yeah definitely definitely yeah, yeah, you don't see that weeks. many di- yep yeah, you don't see yeah, that in, in in the south as much no not as much so i definitely was uh exposed to a lot uh you know a lot of different cultures yeah. just growing up period yeah, and that put together right. for your makeup. Yeah, it, it, who I am. Right. So, was there a strong musical presence growing up? Definitely. Uh, my maternal grandfather was a musician, singer. Wow. My maternal grandmother sang. My paternal grandmother a musician. My paternal grandfather was a musician. My father's a musician. Uh, you know, it was just like 
just came on down the line, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, just just in my blood. Yeah. <clears throat> see, I see you post that a lot. Like it's in your DNA. Like music chose you. Yeah. Yeah. Always, because people ask me, especially I never forget when I, I'm, you know, growing up in in elementary. What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, oh, I'm gonna be a musician. That's really? all I knew. I, in kindergarten, I like. Because I, I was going to ask you that girl. question. If you weren't a, a, a producer, a musician, what would you be? And you, no. you always knew her, since kindergarten. Her name was Miss Cheryl. Wow, Miss Cheryl. Shout out to I'll Cheryl. never forget. <laughs> kindergarten. True. You know, they do that. What do you want to be when yeah. you grow up? You have to draw it and stand yep. up in front of the class and hold the picture. I drew a <laughs> guitar and some drums. It was wow. like, I'm going to be a musician. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I never, there's never been any other thought of doing or being anything else in my mind all i've ever known my yeah. entire life was music so how were you introduced to it just from your family everybody just your grandparents yeah just just, just growing up growing up yeah. in church uh you know coming up you know my father he was a little on, on the strict side so he didn't allow you know certain type of music in the house we would have to of course. <laughs> sneak and listen to you know I know then, all about you know, as that. I got older, <laughs> as I got older, older as a, in my teenage years, and, and going to school, being exposed to, you know, different friends, you know, I start to listen and hear different, you know, kind of music. But like in the house, music was played every day. My mother yeah. sang her, you know, my father every day. Like music was always pl- playing on the record, yeah. on the forty-five or twelve inch. You know, vinyl. nobody know about. Yeah, we didn't have yeah. CDs, and nah. ain't nobody even do CDs no more. Ain't have playlists, <laughs> right? <laughs> streaming and all that we had vinyl you know what i yeah. mean my grandfather he had one of those it was like a, a six seven foot record player like it was furniture but it was a record player too it was like six seven oh foot yeah long. the console the big you know, console yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so always would have that playing when i went to my grandfather's house so you know music was just a part of my my life every day yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I remember that joint. It, it would have the eight track in it. They have the cassette, yeah. and it would have the yeah. record player the, on top. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then when it broke, we would leave it in the house and, and put yeah. the TV on As top. As furniture. <laughs> <laughs> it was a TV stand too. Oh yeah. man! So, how did you choose your first instrument? What was your first instrument? My first instrument was drums. Okay. Um, it's funny because my mother, I me, mean, my mother were talking about this just a couple of days ago. She says she remember how before I could walk, I was crawling. Yeah. Um, I would crawl to the uh cabinets and pull out like pots and pans. Get out of here. Wow. Go get the magazines from the living room, mm-hmm. get a couple of pens or spoons or whatever I can find. Create and like literally set. make a drum set and you yeah, know, yeah. and playing and um and she said how my grandfather, because you know, yeah, you get to mean I put the stuff away. Yeah, my yeah. grandfather would leave that boy alone. I'm trying mm-hmm. to tell y'all one day, yeah. one day. He used to he say that, like, leave that boy alone, let him, let him do what he do. Yeah. Like literally. And like at a young, before I could walk, I was, I wasn't just beating, I was creating rhythms. Wow. You know, the gift at a young night. age. So yeah, yeah. So it was like, <clears throat> I really, like I always say, I didn't choose music. It chose me. I really didn't have a choice in the game. Yeah. You That's know? similar to me too. My mom said my first steps were, I left her lap and walked to the drums at church. Wow. Yeah. See? Said, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. She said that was my first step. Yeah. She said it was, wow. it was destined. That's crazy, bro. Yeah. So drums in what order? And then guitar or keys? What's next? Interesting. So it was drums mm-hmm. uh, and then guitar because my father was a guitar player. Nice. Okay. Here, here's the funny thing, though, about that. I'm a lefty. I'm left-handed. Yeah. 
Right. So my father's a right-handed guitar player. Turn so whenever he would, whenever he would, he would do a chord. He tried to teach me. He you know strum a chord. He yeah. passed the guitar to me. I'd automatically, just Living. automatically, just yeah. like, and was trying to figure out his chords. I never forget the day it was it, as a kid. I didn't understand it, but as an adult, it just makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. And one day I did it. He was like, "Son, I ain't gonna be the help. You got right. to do this on your own. You got to do it on your own. Yeah. <laughs> I can't show you left-handed chords from a right-hand position. <laughs> like he even went as far. They tried to get me a guitar that was left-handed, but mm-hmm. the strings were, you know, in the yeah. right direction. Like exactly, the E yeah. on top. Mm-hmm. I couldn't play it. No. I couldn't play. I had to play a right-handed guitar upside down. Wow. And so it was drums, guitar, then the bass. And then a family friend, um, a white dude, uh, we were going to the white church. He was mm-hmm. like, hey, man, I got an old violin I don't want. You you mind? You guys mind if I give it to your son? I feel like, you know, he can, you know, benefit from it. I'm like, yeah, sure. So, Dude, that was but, one of my questions. Oh, my gosh. Go ahead. Yeah, so he gave me a violin and me and my can't talk my mother and I was having a discussion the other day too. She's like, I remember when you went upstairs, we was downstairs talking and laughing. And she said, I came downstairs within 15 minutes and was playing the songs and melodies on a violin. Yeah. So it was just like, just a natural progression, like any instrument I really picked up, you know? So it is true that you played a violin. Cause I was going to ask you, I was like, you, yeah. there's a, there was a rumor growing up, right? So I didn't even get to do my intro, but the, the myth of Troy Oliver, right? I'm, in, I'm from a city <laughs> called Bridgeport, right? So Bridgeport is about 25 miles south of New Haven. Mm-hmm. Down I-95, you know, growing mm-hmm. up in gospel, we all heard of each other, but right. sometimes didn't get to see each other till we were adults. Like, you know, because playing in church, you our churches were fellowship. And so we would go to different churches and there would be concerts. By the time I got like teenage years, I could go out, travel with my Uncle Ricky or... You know, mm-hmm. if there was a big concert going on, I, my mom or my uncle would bring me um, to, to the concert to see people. So maybe by the time I got to be 18, my gospel choir started traveling with my high school. And then maybe by the time I'm 21, you know, I'm, I'm out traveling and I'm playing professionally now. And the myth of Troy Oliver was that this dude played a million instruments and that he didn't he didn't have a band, but he could play by himself and sound so full. So we go to Agape. Shout out to Aaron Moody and mm, Bishop Moody. And uh, mm-hmm. we go to Agape, and you're you're playing with with your praise team. And dude, like you had a, a loop, a drummer. Mm-hmm. He was playing organ, and you was playing key bass on the keyboard. And it was the craziest thing I had ever heard because you sound like a, a whole band, dog. And it was just like, yo, that's Troy. That's Troy. Because we had never met you. So we were right. about 18 and 19. That's Troy. That's Troy. That's him. That's everybody. Everybody was telling me. So, like, your your legend preceded us meeting you, man. And it was so dope to wow. finally see you and meet you and then finally meet you and know that how cool you were. So that's wow. the myth of Troy Oliver, man. It, it had come down I-95 that this dude could play all these instruments. Now, how many instruments do you play? Um, total, I think it's like five or six. That's amazing. Five or bro. six. The bass, uh, keys, drums, violin, cello, bass, lead guitar. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Pretty All self taught, basically? Yeah. 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 Wow. Pretty much. That's dope. Yeah. So, coming up the way we came up, PK style, your grandfather was a pastor, your, your dad was a pastor. You know, like, how, 
how was it how important is it to pay your dues? Do you feel like that's still necessary for musicians to learn some type of work ethic and pay dues? Absolutely. Uh I'm paying dues is a part of the process. Uh without paying dues you don't appreciate you won't appreciate, you know, the when you if you're fortunate to get to the pinnacle or to have successful moments without paying dues, you know, one, you won't appreciate it. And two, it's easier to lose that position. Right. Because you don't understand what it took to get there. And you feel like, you know, people owe you versus mm-hmm. you earned it, you know, yeah. being old and earning are two totally different things, you know? And yeah. so is, I, so <clears throat> this, this is another thing that freaked a lot of people out when I tell them this, so I've been in the music industry. I'm coming up on celebrating like 25 years officially yeah. in the music industry. Wow. And throughout the 25 years, I've never left church. That's another question I was going to ask you, but go ahead. Touch so, up. We, we there now. Let's I've, go. <laughs> I've always been on somebody's organ or yeah. somebody's keyboard on yeah. Sunday morning. I've never got to the place where like, uh, I don't need to play in church no more. So, Doug, why, though? Like, this is amazing to me. And I just want to hear. I know already, but I just want to hear you mm-hmm. tell the people. With all the success... Grammy, Grammy nominations, Billboard Awards, you know, like multi-platinum, all the plaques in your, in your, in your, in your, in your music room. Mm-hmm. Why do you feel the urge to still come and play on a, sit on somebody's dusty organ every Sunday? For me, cause I, part of it is my roots. Yeah. It's just like, I can't separate from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course I love God. Absolutely. People may find that hard to believe. Not yet. I love. I I love God. Yeah. <laughs> and I know where my gift, my giftings come from. Yes. And for me, it's like I felt like I had to stay connected to the church, to keep me rooted, and humbled, yeah. and grounded. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this is no cap. I I mean I got years and years of stories, but there's mm-hmm. plenty of times I'd be in the studio with Jennifer Lopez till three four o'clock in the morning on a Saturday drive two hours from Manhattan to New London yeah. and be sitting on an organ on Sunday morning yeah. doing regular praise and worship, you yeah. know, no knock against them saying the praise and worship, but regular praise and worship folks. Absolutely, yeah. They have no idea where I just came from. Where you came you from, You know, wow. I'm, and I'm following orders. If the yeah. choir director be like, great, mm-hmm. you know, stop, a musician, whatever, hey, you in charge. I'm just I mean, here, you know what I'm saying, in my position. That's amazing, man. I, it, it definitely keeps you humble, right? It definitely keeps you, but it, it helps you to acknowledge where your gift came from, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a couple of the people, like I think Zaytoven does it, you know, like he still plays mm-hmm. at church. It's just yeah. wild, like you guys with all the success and all this money, you know, all these guys, all these accolades, and you still, you know, humble yourself and come serve the Lord. That's super dope. I got I got to, and that's, that's a part of the reason why I never went on a road. Like I never went on mm-hmm. tour. Uh, I had plenty of opportunities to get on tour. And I just keep it, and I, you know, this thing, I'm just keeping the buck. I know, so for me, there's a there's levels to this when it comes yeah, yeah, to music, yeah. musicianship. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the church musician, then you got the church musician that can, you know, go out a little <laughs> bit, then you got the church musician that can tour, you yeah. know, do a little couple of locally, not tour, do local gigs. Then yeah. you got the guys that elevate to professional, mm-hmm. you know, artists and start touring and all that stuff. Yeah. I, it was, I never perfected my craft to the touring level because. I was so caught up in the production and the creative part of it. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to tour. I'm going to stay here in the studio. So could I go on tour? Can I do it? Yeah, I can. Of course. But I know 
I know the hours that it takes that you got to learn music and, yeah, and, yeah. and lines and memorize. Oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm not about, I'm not about to do all that. I can't. Yeah. The road, the road is not for me. I'd rather stay here in, in the studio and just be creative <clears throat> and be productive. But like far as the the elevation of just learning music and being creative and being a musician in the church, church definitely it keeps you relevant because you know, I'm an R&B producer. That's, that's mm -hmm. my number one thing. Right. Although I can produce whatever, R&B is my, that's where, you know, that's right. where my bread and butter is. Absolutely. You know, it's strongly church influence. Absolutely, <laughs> like, yeah. Right. You know, chord progressions and, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's strongly church influence. You know, you, we, we write from, you know, what we know from our heart, you know, and yeah. um, so the, the, the ability to stay grounded, the ability to stay humble, for me, I would say it was, I want to say kind of easy, kind of, because mm -hmm. it was like, I know if I don't stay in church, I'm going to be a mess. Yeah. Okay. Listen, yeah. I was in church. I, so how about this? Let's keep your book. Stayed in church, never left the church, still got nine kids. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> now imagine if I wasn't in church. <laughs> Lord Jesus. You're a blessed granted, man. I called you. Granted, I called you Father Abraham granted, before. Father, <laughs> I mean, granted, I was married a couple of times, you know, so you know, right. children yeah, did yeah. whatever. But at the same time, you know, church just kept me, you know, not just church, but God. You know what yes. I'm saying? Being able to submit, and mm -hmm. not just to to the Lord, but to people that He chose to lead me. You know what yeah. I mean? Just this is different. Yeah. Man, I mean, you are blessed. You have a, a beautiful family and you have an amazing gift and, and that every good and perfect thing comes from God, right? So we right. we know that it all came from him. And uh, I, I can imagine that's what keeps you grounded and keeps you wanting to continue to serve because, you know, he gave it to you. The same God that gave it to you, you can take it away, right? So right. we were taught that at an early age and that that's right. made, it's in our makeup. Um, So you're playing in church on Sundays at your family's church. What's the name of your family's church? Growing up, it was True Light Deliverance Center True Light on Dixwell Avenue. Dixwell, wow. Yeah, Reverend okay. Lonnie Talley. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. And so you you played there. That's where you cut your chops. That's where you kind of learned mm -hmm. learned everything. Yeah, pretty much. You know, um, then to to uh, expand, um, living in West Haven, mm -hmm. you know, we I also played in a couple of white churches too. Really. So yeah, I learned the, the white culture. So there was a church, uh, Faith Christian Church on Campbell Avenue. Yeah, okay. In West Haven. Mm -hmm. You know, we had transitioned for a little while and I ended up playing there. You know, wow. I'm like nine, 10, 11 years old. Wow. And that back then that was like considered a mega church. I'm sure, yeah. The nice size church, you know, and it's my first time like on a major stage, you know. Playing mains or just like? No, drums. drums. Drums, okay, cool. Okay. Drums, yeah. I learned. So growing up, growing up in black churches, you know, you know pocket, but you don't really learn pocket until you get in the white church. Like, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> they they ain't impressed. They ain't impressed with all the tricks and stuff. No, so yeah. it definitely, you know, it the culture, it, it you know, it, it trained me. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Okay. So from there, and then, so at what age did you start playing keys? I think my first time on keys, I was like 12, 13, and okay. I didn't. It was a dare. A commercial came on TV, and my brother was like, eh, "I bet you can't play that melody." And we had a little keyboard situation upstairs. I was like, "I bet you I can." Yeah. So I went upstairs and figured it out, <clears throat> and from there it was 
that was it. So you're 12 or 13, and then how do you how do you progress into really wanting to do it and, and be a keyboard player? It was just, it was like a natural flow. Mm-hmm. It was like the, the challenge of learning music, the challenge mm-hmm. of learning songs on the radio, and yeah. you know, cousins would come over, or my friends would come over and be like, ooh, can you play this? Uh, uh, can you play this song? I bet you mm-hmm. can't play this. And it was like, the challenge of learning it, it just like, it, 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 it made me excited. Like, man. Okay. So, That's dope. Yeah, so it was so, a natural progression. <clears throat> wow. I get it. So from at that point, how do you become skilled? Like, at what age do you realize that I have a gift and I'm kind of good at this? Um, I don't know if I ever got to that point. Still to this day? Still to this day. Stop it. I'm I'm my biggest <laughs> critic. I, I, I like I am my biggest critic. Like it. So I learned how to play in church by playing my aunt church, my aunt Marie, mm-hmm. uh, Deliverance Haven in Middletown. <clears throat> okay. I I have been playing keys maybe all of two or three months. Okay. And they're like, come on up, baby. I need mm-hmm. keyboard. Play. I'm like, I don't know how to play though. I literally learned how to play praise well devotion back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. And it wasn't no, yeah, it wasn't no transpose on the keyboard. No. On the, I had Casio, wasn't no transpose on that. So wherever they were singing, I mm-hmm. had to figure it out, like playing the, the bass, the melody, the chord. Yeah. Like I learned how to play in church. What age were 14, you then? Like 14, 15. 14, 15, okay. 14, and I didn't have no, you know, fortunately I didn't have, I didn't have like an older. I was about to ask you, did you have any mentors or anybody you looked to? Like, I want to be like him. Bars like music when I, influences. When I, when I started going up, so I started. I played drums for Willa Agape first. Okay. And then I used to play bass for her. Wow. So when I started, when I transitioned to keys, and uh, I became older, like 16, 17, I started playing for uh, Bishop Moody, and she mm. definitely influenced me and taught she me a lot. Too. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a lot of older musicians around town that you know when they would see me, you know, I would try to learn and glean from them. Mm-hmm. But I never had that like one solid person that cause, yeah. you know I was like a I was all over playing all yeah. different churches. You know when I'm you were sure. young, you just you just trying to get that seventy five dollars, hundred dollars, <laughs> that Manila <laughs> envelope, Doc. Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm with you. So, you know we playing you know, <laughs> different churches, but definitely Bishop Moody. Um, and I can say you know God rest his soul, Martin Martin mm-hmm. Parker. Like Martin you know, Parker, what I'm saying he he showed me some stuff. Like you know what I mean? Just when they was when I would see older musicians or even like musicians my age that I felt like more advanced to me like Pastor Rob Smith mm-hmm. like we went to Hill House together yeah you know and I was more of a I was so culturized with the white culture with the R&B and a little bit yeah. black you know Rob straight church straight I'm like church. yo you got to show me what you're doing like I, right. I need to know that so you know I try to glean from everybody you know gotcha. coming up just like especially on keys because mm-hmm. I mean I can tell it now it don't matter when I was 14 15 years old it's like when people found out I can play, they was like, oh, I need you. I was yeah. 14, 15 playing in clubs. Mm. Man, they were sneaking me in through the back door. Yeah. I'd get on stage, do the set. You know, mm. when it was time to break, I had to go back out, <laughs> sit in the car or whatever, you know. But right, like, right, right. I'm, I'm learning top 40s, you know what I'm mm. saying, at 15 years old playing in the wow. clubs. Yeah. So I had a very diverse background. Yeah. So... <clears throat> That that made you well rounded though, right? It, it definitely prepared yeah, you for your, your, the next wave of your life, right? Definitely. So, um, fast forward to adulthood, right? You're 
how did you get into production? What made you want to learn about producing? Uh, so I didn't realize what producing was until mm-hmm. I was like 15, 16. Uh, cousin of mine, Abel, Abel Mason, we, we call ourselves having a little gospel group called Foundation. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we, go, we went to a couple of churches, you know, try to sing, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, we had a little bit of equipment and, um, you know, just studying other groups and acts and stuff, you know, I learned that, you know, what my responsibility was in the group to not just play, but, you know, create, you yeah. know, the drum patterns, the bass lines, the keys, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, being around him, come on up with him. Like, he definitely showed me, like, yo, listen to this. You see how they did that? Oh, check mm-hmm. out that melody. Oh, you see how the bass line is moving? You know what I'm saying? We need to start doing so. I literally like studied. Yeah. Like, so like around the age of 15, my age of 16 was my first time in the studio. Okay. I, I went to Vix. Horizon. Horizon. <laughs> Shout out to Vic at Horizon. Vic. That's what's up. You feel me? Uh, yeah. Camel Lab, first time. Yeah. And that's, he had an engineering at the time. Uh, I think the dude's name was Nathan. Nathan okay. was nice, like real, real dope, young dude up and coming. Um, and we literally was creating on the spot in the studio, okay. like, we didn't go in there with no equipment. We used all of Vic's equipment, like his yeah. drum machines. We got in there, you know what I'm saying, tapping out on the drum machine, bass lines, all of that. Like, and just like, that's when I learned, like, okay. And it was that moment, my first time in the studio, I knew, yeah. all right, wow. this is what I want to do. That's amazing. <clears throat> so what was your first setup like? How did you how did you get your equipment? And then what was your first setup like? Your first production setup? So. My first, the first equipment that I had that was official mm-hmm. prior to the the Yamahas and the Casios that people would give me. Yeah. So, look, I got to tell the real story. So okay. my first <laughs> setup was like a Casio keyboard. Okay. I had one speaker and I had two cassette tape recorders. Okay. <laughs> and so I would do the drums, record it live on the cassette, Yeah. play that to the next cassette, Add the bass, do it again, (laughs) add the key. (laughs) That was my first. I know all about that with the four track. You know, you only have four tracks, so you got to be creative with it. My boy Adam, ask you, was a legend with that. I don't know how he would. Yeah, 16 tracks. I don't know how he did it to this day, even then. But before I had a four track, I used to go between two tape cassettes, two cassette players, and like. We have to tap the drums out for three, four minutes. So tap mm-hmm. on the bass line, everything. Like, you was it a loop or did you have to play for three or four nah, minutes? All, play it all the way through. It was, it was a cassette. You can't loop a cassette. Like, you got to play that oh all the way through. Locked. Through just locked in. Easy yeah, like, yeah. everything. And, you know, I, and I'm saying when the group or the crew would come over or friends or whatever come over, I was like, yo, check out this beat I made. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It'd be real airy and real spacey because, you know, recording like eight times back and forth. But you can hear the beat. You can hear the like, beat. You know, growing up, my family called me, my, my, my um, nickname when my family is Black. My family called me Black. Okay. Yo, Black, that's hot. That's hard. Black, that's hot. I like that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's how I started, you know, that was my first wave. Yeah. Cassette that tape. And then, dope. you know, getting older, being in the group, you know, there was a, uh, my, my cousin Abel, he was able to convince an investor to invest in us. Uh, Oh, wow. This doctor by the name of Robert Stern. Dr. Stern invested in it. Shout out to Dr. Stern. Yeah, yeah. And he got he he got us an ASR ten. Ooh. A Roland JV eighty. Whoa. And an Elise's SR sixteen drum machine. Yeah. 
So at the age of like 17, that was my first setup. That's amazing. Wow, that's cool. Right? Yeah. Well, you couldn't tell us nothing. Yeah, y'all was lit. We, we thought we were Teddy and Aaron. You couldn't tell us nothing. <laughs> that's, that's major yeah. like professional equipment, though, still yeah. being used today. Yep. yep, and with a four-track. You know, they had a four-track recorder, and that's, that was our first setup. Yeah. And yeah, so from yeah. th- so from that, you got your taste of producing, and then so when did you give? Let's talk about the shopping. How long did you produce to get good? Because in that period, you know, you're not always ready. You think you were? How long did it take for you to get pro- professional to get that professional sound? I think it took me. So the advantage that I had being a musician was mm-hmm. a music, being a musician, yeah, and yeah. then I was surrounded by musicians. I was always, yeah. you know. Cause they able mm-hmm. to play the bass, like you know, we was always, we were our biggest critics. Like yeah, you know, yeah. you coming around, you know, you know, coming around mm-hmm. musicians, like you got to be on top of your game. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it wasn't until, and we have did, we have we recorded a few records prior to this, but it was a one trip that we took to Indianapolis. I was, I'm gonna tell the story. It's all right. It's years ago. <laughs> I was in high school. Yeah. And I think my junior, my senior year. Junior year in high school, no senior high school, and uh, somehow or another, Abel connected with this producer out of Indianapolis named Steve Huff. You know Steve wow. Huff? Yeah. So we drive out to Indianapolis, eleven hour ride in the middle of school year. It wasn't no school <laughs> vacation. I just left. Oh my God. <laughs> so we went out there with our demos. We playing in my demos and stuff. You know, and Steve had an official like studio studio mm-hmm. set up out there. And so watching him, talking to him, and, you know, he just schooled me, like, you know, this is how you need to do it. And hearing the difference between what we were doing and what he was doing, that trip changed my life. <laughs> it I know, changed I it. my life. <laughs> it changed my life. I was like, oh. And Abel was one of them cats. Like, he'll clown you. Like, yeah. you say, you play your joint, mm-hmm. and the drums is like, whatever. Then Steve, come on. He looking at you like, yeah. you hear that? Like, so it's like. <laughs> That you know what I'm saying, that type of that that one trip, mm-hmm. it literally changed my whole aspect. And I was like, Oh, this is where I have to be, like creatively, mm-hmm. like and um <clears throat> from that moment on, I was locked in. Like you you ain't gotta tell me what I, I already know what I'm gonna do. Yeah. And I know what I need to do to do it. Same thing happened to me with you. Do you remember the story? <laughs> oh, for real? Wait. Yeah. The same thing happened to me with you. Me and Dion had our production team it was me dion adam and we were making tracks and you gave us an opportunity to come play something for you at sony oh, <laughs> I, so, I wasn't a jerk was i was no you were fine we um you were real nice to us we um we we stayed up all night you know putting together a playlist a cd of our mm-hmm. best stuff and you know as a musician you always think you're better than you are a lot of times you know you don't necessarily know mm-hmm what the industry standard is. You just know you can right. play. You know what you, you try to listen to the radio and try to mimic it. Right. And so right. we didn't know the technical aspect about drums and EQing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we bring our CD, we put it in and the whole thing is out of phase and it's like freaking out your speakers and everything because the, the way we sampled the drums wasn't right. So you were real kind to us. You're like, yo, you got to fix that. You know, you like you, Gerald Isaac, y'all all were very kind to us. All the people right. that were professional always let us know you know what we had to do but we were young boys 21 yeah. 20 years old so we you know thought we was hot wow. stuff and you gave us an opportunity like yeah you man, come play it so we drove all the way to new york came to sony studios mm. and play and played you a few joints and you would tell us what we what you liked and what we needed to work on and 
that's something I'll never forget because it inspired wow. me. Wow. Yeah, and it helped me get better and and learn how to do things a certain way. So the same way you learn from Steve, we learn right. from you, bro. Yeah, so wow. thank you for that. Yeah. That's crazy. And that was wow. 20 years ago, at least. Yeah, I remember saying that, yeah, at least 20 years ago. Yeah. And then maybe more, a little more. A little more, probably, yeah. Yeah, wow. So um, when did you get your first placement? What's your first opportunity? My first placement, ironically that you mentioned his name, I had two placements at the same time. One I did with Gerald Isaac. Oh, no. Um, Shout out Gerald. Um, it was a, with a group called Forecast. Okay. Song called I Try. Okay. And then simultaneously, maybe like a month or two apart, was a group called Seven Mile and a okay. song called Do Your Thing. Nice. I did that. Uh, Corey Rooney wrote that. <clears throat> and so I didn't realize, even at the moment, how big it was, both of those moments. Yeah. I never realized until later on in my career, like my first two placements in the industry were both singles. Yeah, wow. You you came out right out with the heat. Both of them were singles. Yeah. Like I tried with a single forecast. They shot a video. You can Google YouTube it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Do your thing with um. Seven that was Mile. in 1998, bro. Mm-hmm. I just googled it. <laughs> 98. It was on RCA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And crazy. I, uh, Do your thing came out same year. Wow. Same year. Yeah. So it was like that was a that year for me was like. Amazing. You, you couldn't tell me I wasn't about to be the next. Yeah, of course. You know what I'm saying? Baby yeah. face or, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was still a, a long road from there. But those were my first placements, 1998. Yeah. Yep. The year That's my dope. youngest son was born. Yep. Wow. So you mentioned Corey mm-hmm. Rooney. What what does he, he mean to you in your career? Corey, uh, still a mentor. Uh, but Corey definitely was, uh, he was vital. So i put like this. If it wasn't for Corey... There would be no Jennifer Lopez records, mm-hmm. no yeah. Genuine records. Like, Corey definitely was instrumental in signing me at Sony, you know, okay. when I signed with Sony. So Corey seen, for those that don't know, exp- explain who Corey is and what he does. Corey, Corey Rooney, uh, songwriter, producer, executive. You have to Google him. I can't even, like, his credits is just yeah, like super long you know yeah like jennifer of course jennifer mark anthony like people you wouldn't even yeah. think corey did you know yeah. what i mean it's like crazy like corey corey got me in the room like people a lot of people don't notice you know i worked with hall of notes before wow. you know i did Lord. three four i did four days locked in with hall of notes wow. like corey because i was a musician yeah you know and I, and at the time i had a rose i had a rose mm-hmm. suitcase you know what i'm yeah. saying 76 yeah. So my room, you know, Corey, he was a mentor and he, he he mentored me and taught me like the mechanics and the little intricacies of making records. Yeah. Like sonically what you need to do yeah. to capture people. Corey taught me the difference between hearing something and feeling something. Yeah. Like you could put a, a, a string pad in here. It doesn't have to be heard. No. But you could play to where someone could feel it and they don't even realize yeah. what, what's going on. It's like, oh, exactly. well, I did something about that. Yeah. So Corey, is, he taught me like little little stuff like that. But, you know, I had my bass guitar, my guitar, my rolls, yeah. pianos, you know what I'm saying, the NPC. That was my setup in the studio. <clears throat> and so, you know, they, they seen that. It's like, yo, you know, Hall & Oates is coming. Yeah. Lock in with them for four days. He, uh, Lenny Kravitz is coming. Lock in with Lenny for two days. You know, Celine and Renee are coming in town for a week. We're going to lock you in with Celine for like, you know what I'm saying, two or three days. So Celine Dion? Yeah. Oh, my so, God. 
Wow. Because of because of the gift I had, I I was able to create like on the spot a yeah. lot, you know. Because you were prepared, right? You were prepared. Your your journey had made you brought you all the way up to this point. And so everything exactly. that you went through as a child and learning, you know, cutting your teeth and, and, and going through these situations where you were well versed on all these instruments prepared you for this thing. That's what I, I wanted to, and we'll come back to Corey because he definitely deserves mm -hmm. the praise. But like you, you are, I, I mentioned earlier that you are a member of the 100% Club. And I saw this on a Drink Champs interview with, with uh, Tank. Okay. And shout out Tank in uh, yeah. the artist Tank. Uh, he Thanks mentioned that he mentioned that um, many people can't do what you guys do, and Tank is also a church boy as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the Hundred Percent Club consists of writing the record, producing the record, and singing the record, and many can't do that, you yeah. know. But the most people who can are from where? From church. Church. And R. Kelly, church. of course. Yeah. <laughs> I believe Rob went to church with his grandmother or something. I don't know. <laughs> he, he did. <laughs> he did. But, but most people that are a member of that club are from church. Yeah, and I just think, like, yeah, church yeah. music, church makes the best entertainers in the world, man. And it's, it's proven. The, the, the skill that we acquire from the, data, the rigorous activity of having to learn on the spot we make the best yeah. musicians in the world. You could put yeah. anybody on any stage and they're yeah. not afraid. You know, they've been in, in worse situations. You know, yeah. like I played in, in, in arenas in different places and I'm not afraid because you know why? Right. I played at church. You, Somebody started singing a song in the key of A. Yeah. A song I ain't never heard before. And now, you know, you had to play something. You figure had it to out. play, yeah, figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. Cause the whole church looking at you, they ain't looking at the person, they looking at you like, you know what I yeah. mean? So, yeah, on the spot, and it's a little storefront church, mm -hmm. and you feel more pressure in the little storefront. You church. feel more pressure <laughs> in that setting than you do in these atmospheres. Yo, you ain't lying, bro, because that that set that setting prepared us for where yeah. we are now, and especially where yeah. you are today, and that's amazing. Yeah. So, shout out to Corey Rooney, man, for yeah, shout out yeah, Steve Rooney for uh, for giving you that opportunity and, and teach you Definitely. the game, man. Um, how is the game different now than then? It's it's crazy because that's an oxymoron. Okay. It's different in a lot of ways, and in a lot of ways, it's the same. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, it's different. I would say, the, obviously, the, the most significant and obvious difference is how people receive music nowadays. Yes. Like, you know, no more CDs. <clears throat> It's all streaming and mm -hmm. downloading. Um, Corey and so Corey was an executive at Sony okay. under Tommy Mottola. Tommy Mottola. Tommy... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, so Tommy, Corey signed me with uh, permission from Tommy. Yeah. But Tommy called me at my house. I'll never forget it. Tommy called me. He was like, I never got the call. I'm living in the projects. Hey, Troy, this is Barbara at Tommy's office. Uh, you got time to speak to Tommy? I'm like, Tommy who? Like, <laughs> Tommy I'm like, yeah, I got time to meet Tommy. Oh, yeah. So Tommy was like, hey, Troy, we love you. That a lot. We want you to sign. All right. Fast forward. So maybe like two years after being signed, Tommy called us, called us in the office, Corey and all the producers that were on it. Like, listen, this is when Napster came out. <clears throat> mm. So listen, we got to make all the money we, we need to make 
within the next two or three years because the industry is literally taking shifts and the money's not going to be there. Yeah. So whatever you do, go hard, do it now, grind, don't stop. The yeah. landscape of the industry is changing. And yeah. that was in like 2002, 2000, like when Napster first came out, whenever all yeah. that stuff, you know. Yeah. And For those that don't, that don't know, yeah. Napster was a website where you could download music. It was a bootleg kind of site where you would download. Yeah. It was the first one. St- yeah. And steal music. Yeah. Yeah. And it would destroy no, your computer because the viruses yeah. would come. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead, bro. So, yeah. So, and it was like Tommy was a prophet because come 2004, 2005, 2006, the industry mm-hmm. took a hit heavy Definitely. for years, you know, until they figured out how to, you know, Monetize, get all that. Yeah. But, you know, so for, now, for, for from that aspect, the industry is different. It's how we receive music. Um, creatively, I think it's still kind of, excuse me, still kind of the same far as yeah. how i approach it mm-hmm. um I, you know it's funny because you still get the same calls like i would get calls back then you know let's say uh mary J had a dope record or joe deceased record or somebody had a dope record yo troy we need a record like this i need a record like still getting the same calls still today. Yo, still today yeah oh i need a record like that blast or oh you got something like her like so yeah it's still mm-hmm. the same that aspect wise um course sonically it changed because time has changed and the instruments yeah. has changed and of course yeah. um when i first started going to this is a this is a major way change when i first started going to new york i was getting on a train with an npc 3000 and a I hard know, case yeah. no and the, one of them hard cases oh yeah, yeah. Thing. and i had my what i had I had a motif <laughs> and a road case you know it wasn't hardware book bags. Yeah. Yeah. yeah book bags wasn't popping then so i had no book bag and I had like a my rack, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. on my racks and you know. Yeah. Yep. So I'm case. getting on the train. Yeah. I'm getting well, on the train all that, that plus my clothes. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So whenever I went to the studio until I was able to buy a car I'm on the train, then I was forced to buy a car. I'm traveling with all my gear. Keyboards, yeah. racks, mm-hmm. drum machines. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Now all you need is a laptop. All you need is a laptop, bro. All, and a controller. You don't even that... need a, a Yamaha, you just need a controller. You just need a controller, bro. It's totally different. I remember those days of lugging NPC across the country, going through the airport. Yeah. You know, like, I remember carrying keyboards and loading buses. and st- Now it's just like a laptop and you plug and, and play. You, and, yeah, and it's good. amazing. And all the things that were in the racks are now in the laptop. So mm-hmm. that's another way it changed. Um, you know, we went through the phase where the money wasn't really what it was. And, you know, I would tell people there's mountain and valleys and mountains mm-hmm. and valleys in the music industry and if you can hang on through the valleys you know you'll mm-hmm. eventually get to the mountain that's dope. we lose a lot of people in the valley yeah you know well, that's, valleys, it's not it's not made yeah. for everybody right it's not it's not yeah. a journey that everybody's supposed to make and so we, no. that's why we salute you for enduring 25 years professionally in this game man that's, that's super yeah. dope we we praise yeah. you and that's why everybody's online shout out to everybody online watching yeah. the interview right now I see our boy Richie. Richie White is on here. That's your god brother, oh, right? That's my cuz. That's my cuz. Cuz, cuz, cuz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Shout what up, out. Cuz? More like a brother. Absolutely. He's fam. Yeah. Shout out to everybody that's watching right now. James Carney, Eric Davis, Rodney Davis on here. Wow. Everybody's. Oh, that's all the. I'm the homies from back home. You know it. The killers. Monsters. You just made a bunch of monsters right there. <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. Deion Tyson is on here. Yeah. Shout out to everybody watching, man. Getting this free game from our, our guy, Troy Oliver, super producer, Troy Oliver. So, um, what's three things that you need to make a record right now? That I need or someone in general? That you need. 
This is about you. To make a record? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't, I mean, my laptop one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A dope writer. Mm-hmm. And a microphone. <laughs> right. Like, literally. It's literally. literally that simple. Like, like, so this is one thing that I, I have. I'm not biased. I'm, I have the ability to be non-biased, especially to myself. Mm-hmm. Can I write? Yeah, I can write. But yeah. I know, like, today's music, mm-hmm. you know, I'll give my input. But I'd rather mm-hmm. have a writer that is more youthful, like you okay. had mentioned early, like it's a right, young okay. man's game, you know, mm-hmm. that youthful pen, the melodies, the cadences, you know, how they, how you flow, being yeah. able to break down the verse between the chorus and the pre-chorus and all that stuff. And... <clears throat> literally just someone that can just deliver melodically mm-hmm. but at the same time be simple enough for the consumer to understand and be able to sing yeah. along with the song right. you know one thing i've always told church musicians is like you got to be to be successful in this game you got to be able to dumb it down mm, talk about it help us man because <clears throat> most church musicians are very skilled yeah. And, and and playing with his key. They have good guitar. ideas, right? They have good yeah. ideas, but it's just too much. Dope ideas. It's, yeah. It's 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 a flood. Like you have I literally had to learn like the biggest record I ever made was differences. And it's probably the easiest chord progression <laughs> you'll ever hear. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Four, three, two, four, five, six. Yeah. You know, and it's really a three finger chord. Yeah. You know. You know, when you play in church, you know, you got to like, the super you know, the thing. left hand got to yeah. be it. You, it. It doesn't take all that. Yeah. You know, and I had to learn how to just like, one time, it was a couple of sessions, I like just left my left hand in my pocket. Mm. And just like, yeah, like I'm working, I'm working the drum machine, everything with one hand. Yeah. Just to like, literally train myself, like it don't take, you don't got to do all that. No. You know, you have too much. Not only do you have enough equipment to substitute what it is you're trying to do, it's like the consumer, they don't Dang care it. about a dope, they don't care about yeah. no line or no bass line or no run you did or no. the scale you just did with that piano. They don't care about that. No. You know what I'm saying? They really just want to be able to sing along to the song. The drums hit hard. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And the melody, musically good enough, dope enough that it'll catch their attention. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For them to listen to the song. Like mm-hmm. it just gotta be catchy. It don't gotta be difficult. Wow. It gotta be rememberable. Memorable, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 You hear it in your sleep, like something real catchy. So I always like I, I tell them it's like you don't need you don't need tritones. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need to do like ninths and, and, and major <laughs> seventh. sevenths over. <laughs> like you go in the key and C and do a three finger chord progression, bro, you gotta hit. Yeah. Like, so talk literally. to me about about these like so that's the difference right we're you're a pure musician right skilled but wise enough to be able to dumb it down talk about the difference between a beat maker and a producer because this is the era we in with this whole trap era and and you know the way music is going right now beat maker versus producer for uh so for me you know i'm an og in the game mm-hmm. um this is one thing Corey taught me and troy taylor too Another mentor, shout, mentor, shout out to him. Shout out to <clears throat> Troy Taylor, yeah. Uh, he's, man, CT, he's like a, legend. Yeah, he's a slave master in the studio. <clears throat> but um, I learned from them, like, so for me, a beat maker, make the beat, you know, and that's another thing different about music now and then. 
I can send you just send it out. Oh yeah. I don't I don't have to go to LA to work with you. No. I can stay in Atlanta and just send you the record and you know. When was the, the last time you done. had a session? I will come back to the beatmaker, but when was the last time you had a session with the actual artist? Well, I've I've tried to bring that back. So okay. I've been working with uh Drew Sedora. I don't know if you know her. She's on the Yeah, yeah, I see her. Real housewife, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've had her come into my house studio. Like I'm like, if you're in Atlanta and you're an artist, I'm working with you. We're getting in the studio. Absolutely. I'm not doing that sending no music no more. No. Like if you like, if you're LA, like we'll figure it out. Whatever you're out of state, but if you're an artist and you're in Atlanta, you're coming to my house and we're going to work. We're gonna work. Yeah. The way different. we're gonna vibe. Like it's just it's just, it's a different vibe. Mm -hmm. It's just it just it just makes the music that much the more right. Yeah, and, and the feeling <laughs> like you can. It comes across in the music. So yeah, I've been working with Drew for like the last few months. So she she comes here. Uh, Case, I did a record with a couple of records with Case. He came here. So you know, this is like I'm y'all come here. I don't want to send music out like that no more. Wow, really? Yeah, if you're in Atlanta, you gotta come here. <laughs> if you up and coming, you knew whatever, you gotta come here. My niece, uh, Amira Dudley, I love her. Shout out to her. She's up and coming. She's 18. But her pen is like, she fire. But you come in here, Denise, we gonna, we gonna do it the old school way. Like, yeah. let's get in. Um, I did a session with K. Michelle a few weeks ago with my boy Hero. Demetrius yeah, Hero. Shout out Hero. He pulled me in on a, uh, K. Michelle, you know. Hero's dope. Shout out Hero. Yeah, Hero's dope. Demetrius yeah. Hero Sims. <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, I'm just trying to, I like being in the studio. Yeah, the chemistry is there. Yeah, All right, so back to Beatmaker beat maker versus yeah. Producer. So Beatmaker, you make the beat, you make the track, you send it out, you know, that's it. That's all you have to do with it. It might have a you loop know. on it, a sample. Some... Loop, loop, yeah. you know, you might have a loop sample. You might throw, throw something together, da 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 Now, and I want to make sure I make the distinction yeah. very clear because I don't want to make anyone feel slighted. For yeah. me, a producer, you create, it's, a producer is like you're a parent to the, to the track or the song. Mm -hmm. You create the track, the music, or your hands-on in the creation of it. Your hands-on in, in the writing. You have input, you know, melodies, hooks, words, lyrics, the structure right. of the song, where the, the hook goes, the song, right. you know, all that. Once the song is complete, you have everything to do with the mixing of the song. Yo, turn the drums up. Yo, put some mm -hmm. compression on that, you know, take the lows off that, you know. Then in the mastering of the song. So basically, you follow the song from birth, yeah. from beginning of it to the song is complete and ready for the radio. Yeah. Uh, a beat maker is just going to give you a beat and get his check. Yeah. You know, he has nothing to do with the mixing, nothing to do with the writing. But then he calls himself a producer, doesn't he? Some people do, but you you could call yourself a producer, but if you don't follow it all the way through, like I'm not going to let no track leave my studio, and I, mm -hmm. I don't have any input on it throughout yeah. the whole entire process because right. at the beginning of the day that's my music a lot i gotta make sure it's well represented yeah <laughs> a lot of these known and wealthy beat makers are are getting these producer tags and titles and they're not able to see the whole record through they're bringing in a team but then they're still getting production credit and, and you know executive production even on, on something so this is this so this is the argument we have back some people people would say you know Puffy's not a producer. He doesn't play an instrument. How could Puffy be a producer? I yeah. said, 
you could only make a statement like that if you haven't been in the studio yeah. with Puff Daddy. Right. Puffy, can he play an instrument? No. No. But Puffy can hear. Mm-hmm. Oh, they call him, I call him Puffy. Y'all can call him Diddy, whatever. He yeah. can hear and he can tell. I've been in his, I've been in the studio. Yo, turn that kick up. Put mm-hmm. the hi hat right here. Make the pattern go boom, boom, back. Even though he yeah. can't play, he articulated. Yeah. When the writers coming and writing. He's right there with the writers. Now mm-hmm. I don't like that. Do this with that word. Make the cadence do this or the melody. Yeah. After all that's done, the engineer he in there. Yo, put a drop right there. Mm-hmm. Turn the kick up. That's yeah. he sees. That's producing. It's producing. Yeah. He's a producer. Mm-hmm. He sees the record all the way through. Like yeah. And most beat you know beat makers. Like I said, I don't want anyone to feel slighted. You don't have to be technically a musician to be a no. producer. No. You know, you just have to have musical knowledge and be able to hear and know what's right and what's not right. You know, you got to have, you know, very skilled sonic ears. Basically. Yeah. I think my, my, my main concern was just these kids that have these laptops and they're just <clears throat> playing with Fruity Loops and they're putting these buying these packs and, you know, slapping these layers on, <laughs> you know what I mean? Slapping these layers yeah. on top of a loop and they calling themselves a producer or a DJ. And it's just like, no, because wow. if, if you strip away everything that you added, could you recreate it on your own? Could you, could right. you, you know, make the song? And so that's why that, yeah. that, that 100%, you know, the, the JDs of the world that can make the beat, right. that can write the record, that can, you know, you know, produce the song, you know, right. they're valuable and they're, few and far between and I, I salute you for being a part of that club right. bro appreciate that yes sir so appreciate um that. do you feel do you like where music is heading now and do you feel like real r&b is coming back i love where music is headed okay because i'm a musician first and i love creativity all creativity um <clears throat> i don't feel like r&b ever left mm. i don't think okay. r&b i don't think People are saying, oh, that's real R&B. Well, R&B's coming back. Well, R&B never left. It's just, it wasn't, it didn't have the platform or the stage that it once had. Okay. Uh, if any, you know, anybody that's a true R&B head or R&B musician or producer or writer, we know, we understand, we never left. We've always been here. Yeah. So the reemergence may seem like a reemergence or we're coming back, but we ain't never left. Yeah. We've stayed, we stayed working. We stayed grinding when mm-hmm. hip hop took the forefront. Mm-hmm. But people don't even realize a lot of the hip hop records were being produced. It had R and B musicians Sample, in the yeah. studio, you know, mm-hmm. church musicians in the studio playing the melodies over yeah. the excuse me, the hip hop records and yeah. sample sampling R and B songs and making mm-hmm. them, you know what I mean, hip hop um, records. Um I think my personal opinion, um I just had his name and it just uh Bryson Tiller. Okay. That, that that first Bryson Tiller record, in my opinion, was the trans not transition, was the like, oh, we can do R and B and rap? Like yeah. we can wait. You know what I mean? Yeah. He introduced it in a way to like, oh, oh, oh. So that that made like yeah. people like singing again. Mm-hmm. If if I can you know saying kind of Drake that, first, right? It was Drake first? Yeah. Drake, but yeah, <laughs> I like nothing against Drake. I love Drake. No, nothing against Drake. Drake. I, I like the rapper Drake more than the singer Drake. Just okay, me personally. Okay. Yeah, know, Drake did it, but for me, the Bryson Tiller record because Bryson Tiller, the music was more 
you know, his the, the samples that he chose, yeah, 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 yeah. drum patterns. It was very musical. Yeah. Yeah, he was very and you know, Drake wasn't doing no runs. He was just no. saying. Yeah, you know, yeah. Bryson threw a little Yeah. Little, Put some sauce little, on it. Yeah. So <laughs> me, I was like, you know what I'm saying? Drake did his thing, but Bryson for me made it for R and B. Drake made it cool and popular to sing, but yeah. Bryson made it to, he gave it that soul. He like some he brought soul, the soul yeah. back into I got it. you. To make it for like you know R and B singers to now like you could do an R and B song as long as your jump is right oh you yeah. good yeah okay that's dope so you like the way the music is where R and B is headed right now because it never it never went away to the true R and B heads nah. yeah, yeah I love it like all the all the new the the young up and coming singers and like um I'm horrible with names I'll be forgetting names <laughs> like I like Blast uh Lucky Day Man, you ever heard Oof. Lucky Day live? L- Lucky Day is incredible, bro. Ooh. I just said if he comes this way, I gotta make sure I go. Oh, he's a killer. Like yeah, live, incredible. like you know what I mean? Shout out like, D Miles too. Oof. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, hers, yeah. the hers, the scissors, the you know, mm-hmm. the Kalani's, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? All these type R and B for me, it has never really died. And I feel like you got, you still have your Troy Taylors, you still have your Tanks, you know, you still have your Troy Olivers, like, you yeah. know, still got OGs in the game that are not only still pre, uh, producing, creating, but, you know, now, like, if you follow Troy Taylor, mm-hmm. he, he ain't got nothing but young guns yeah. and hitters, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but they listen, you know what I'm saying? You train mm-hmm. them, and you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you get, once, you, once you're able to, I'll say artists develop, Mm-hmm. Or producer develop, or writer yeah. develop. You get someone young that's willing to listen yeah. to the guidance, and someone that's been in the game. I still call Troy and Corey yeah. for advice or send a track. Yeah. Like, what you think about this? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I got, I got plaques. Yeah, you know what I'm saying I got plaques, and yeah. I, but I still call my mentors for that guidance, that mentorship. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. believe everybody needs a mentor. I don't care what stage in your life. You always got to have somebody that, you know, checks and balances. And both of them will quickly be like, Troy, especially, whack. Or yeah. they won't even respond. When, when they don't respond, you know, like, <laughs> You already know. Jeez. <laughs> it's been like three days. You check your test message. Like, like did you? Dang, did he you? didn't say nothing. <laughs> All right. Oh, Say less. Goodness. But, like, you know, it's checks and balances. I just feel like where it's going now, it's in a great place because musicianship is again appreciated. Yeah. You get you to play on your bridge. You get to play on your bridge a little bit, stretch. You know, you get to work on that melody, you throw that sign lead on there, just a, a taste, you know, just a little bit to make it feel good. So I, I know what you mean. You see what I'm saying? The musicianship of R and B is uh being appreciated again. So if yeah. anything I think went away, it was that. Like I love the fact that I, I have creative freedom. Mm-hmm. Still pocket, mm-hmm. but creative pre- freedom. You know what I mean? Yeah. And doing chord progressions and the sounds that I choose. Because yeah. nowadays I can go crazy and just do sounds and keyboards mm-hmm. and synths yeah, and yeah. bass lines and all that, but I can make it a loop. Yeah. Okay. Make it an eight bar. Make throw a filter on it. Yeah. Throw it to the breeze. You know what yeah. I mean? They throw some jumps on it. Ooh. Oh, now we got a record. You know what I mean? Record. So it's like. Yeah. It's so many different ways to do it now. Like yeah. I have in my iTunes now and in my my hard drive, I have I have loops that I create. Mm-hmm. You know, I do full tracks and then I just do loops. 
Wow. So it's just like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Just if I come, if I work with an artist or a writer, like you want to hear full tracks or you want to hear loops. Yeah. Or when I send stuff out, you want loops or you want full tracks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot of writers like loops. Um, For those of you who may not know, a loop is just a chord progression minus the drums and minus changes. Just, you know, just either piano or roads or guitar Mm -hmm. loop. Something to write to. Yeah, just it's it's basically a naked track, and it Shoot gives down, the writer, man. the writer more uh, creativity, Freedom. availability yep. to just throw harmonies and do whatever. And then yeah. we do what we call post work. Is after they do that, we'll come back and throw the drums, maybe a bass yeah. line on it. So you know, and loops, you know as well as I do right now. Loops are that's what it is right now. Yeah, everybody absolutely. doing loops. You know, I, yeah. I can create a loop pack and start selling them. I got Let's do it. Loops. Yeah, you heard it here first. Troy Oliver, <laughs> Troy Oliver Pack coming. Got a lot of loops. Yeah. Let's go. I need some sounds too. Let's go. Um, so we're talking about all your victories. Have you ever had any, any, uh, have you ever been burnt in the industry? Because I think it's important. Um, and if you haven't, praise God, you know, that's dope. But I think in music, it's important to share. I think Troy Oliver's, Troy, I'm sorry, Troy Taylor has been talking about, uh, passing on experience, you know, telling the mm-hmm. next generation, like you alluded to, about what they did and how to do it and keeping mm-hmm. R&B alive and also sharing experiences and stories. So have you, yeah. you don't have to go into detail, but have you ever had an experience where you were, you didn't come out as the victor? So I had to change my verdict. I learned. I don't say I was burned okay. or I don't say I was cheated or I was jerk or robbed yeah i say i was ignorant okay and that's that's and huge I, I, I say that because it's called the music business absolutely and the biggest word out of those two is business mm-hmm. and unfortunately unfortunately it's more business than it than it is music mm. so to my ignorance as a young person when i first got in the game <clears throat> i signed a couple of deals that weren't in my favor but looking at the circumstances at the time i was 20 something in my 20s mid early 20s i had a wife i had some kids you know i had responsibilities mm-hmm. only money i was getting was from church on sundays that you know say my 200 hours of church on sundays i try to work a little job in between but it, it just didn't work out like you yeah. know it, i tried mm-hmm. you know i did but it didn't work so, you know, when somebody offers you $400,000, mm. you know what I'm And yeah. you're like, what? $400,000? Where do I sign? You know what I'm yeah. saying? I didn't really have the guidance and leadership or even the mentorship of someone like, hold up. Let's read the fine print. Yeah. You know, I learned, you know, in my first publishing deal, I signed, you know, it was a half a million dollar deal, wow. you know. In my twenties, you know what I mean. I was young, half a million dollar deal, you know. In the in the early two thousands, right? Early two thousands, yeah. I'm like, what? What am I supposed to? You know what I mean? Like, who's going to take that? that. Yeah. Of course, I find out years later after being in the situation that the way they had it set up is if I had more than four songs on one album, so I've had four songs or more on one album, my rate would drop. So mm. I would get less money. Yeah. And it did and it didn't make sense to me when I figured out what it was. And I yeah. also I, I 
that's when I learned you can split a penny. I didn't even know you split a penny. Like, yeah, you know, I didn't know how that was prior, I heard that too, yeah. <laughs> prior to signing, I was like, wait, split a penny nine ways? How are we splitting a penny? You can't yeah. split no penny. It's one cent. <laughs> it's one you cent. You know what I'm saying? So I learned all that by the deals that I signed. I, I didn't have the intelligence or even the guidance to really know and look through them before I signed them. So I don't even fault the record labels or any, anybody that had anything to do with it. I fought myself for not having the wisdom because, yeah. you know, was I taken advantage of? Some people would say so, but I would say it was, it was to my ignorance as well too. Yeah. Because I was just so anxious and so ready to get out the hood and yeah. make sure my family. No, that's a lot straight. of money, bro. You come in you where know? we come from. I can understand that's a lot of money and you're excited. You're happy that you finally got your, you know, your opportunity and you're, you're ready to go. But like you said, you know, you probably weren't ready for for that situation. Yeah. Prepared. I'll tell you a true story about uh, Tommy, and it's a true story. I don't even know. So, when, remember I told you earlier he gave me a call at the house? Mm-hmm. So, the reason why he called me, because they wanted me to sign exclusively for Sony. Okay. And I was being a little, I was a little hesitant at first, because that word exclusive made me nervous. Like, yeah, mm, just, you know, I knew that yeah. much. Yeah, right, right. So, um, Tommy called, like, listen, man, we just want you, you know, we, we appreciate what you do. Da, 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 da. Um, I was like, but you know, I just want to be able to work with artists that are not just on Sony, but you know, yeah. he's like, listen, we just want first dibs on whatever you do. Like mm-hmm. anything you create, we want first dibs. And yeah. you know, if we don't like it, you know, go do what you yeah. want to do. I was like, okay, that's fair. That yeah. was a that was that was a production deal. That wasn't even published. That was a whole separate deal. That was another mm. four hundred thousand. That was wow. a whole other deal. So you had a publishing you know, deal get, and a production deal. Yeah, you know, yeah, he was caking, bro. So you get half up front, <laughs> yeah, so production, you know, you got half up front, and then you get the balance on the delivery of, of the record, you know, saying the masters, yeah. So, if so, I did my deal for like 15,000 a track, so they gave me 20 times 15 up front, mm-hmm. and then the balance, you know, thereafter. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, 20 times seven because it was 15,000 track, and then the balance after. So, we work, you know, we worked in, and nobody knew, I didn't even know, that I was gonna take off as fast as I did. Mm-hmm. Like my first record at the gate was "I'm Real" with Jennifer. That you know, when, when we did the remix with uh, Ja Rule and them, that mm-hmm. thing just went, and it was like, oh snap, he got yeah. a sound. Yeah. And so phone calls start coming in from other record labels, Who's other artists. Kid? Yeah. Yo. We want that, you know, and yeah. then after that, you know, differences come out. So the phone is going sick. Then rough ends come out with someone to love you. And yeah. then Jenny from the block. So yeah. I was on a road getting a lot of calls. Wait, you did and someone so, to love you? Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, I did someone to love you? <laughs> I thought you did. Um, uh, how many records did you do on the album? I did two. I did one called Short Thing. And I did Short um, Thing. I didn't know. Yo, you did someone to love you? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I only thought it was short thing. Oh my god. I know yeah. Mike and Mike and Nader on that album too. Yeah. But yeah. but yo, that's crazy. Okay, go ahead. I don't want to stop you, yeah. but that was that's an amazing record. So yeah, so you know, doing all these records and records is coming out and work with all these Sony artists, and so I'm getting calls from other record labels because you know, I'm on the radio, I'm I'm on the chart. Yeah. So I'm like, bet. I'm like, yeah, what are you doing? I'm telling my manager at the time. Prince Market D got rest of soul, Mark Morales. I'm like, yo, 
Mm-hmm. Tommy said, as long as I let them hear it first, we good. Yeah. yeah. First call we got, I forgot who it was. I, I don't know if it was Whitney. It was somebody. No, it was Janet. She heard a record that I did on a Jennifer album that it was never yeah. It was never a single. It was it wasn't a single, it was just a song on the record called Secretly. It was a, yeah. a piano ballad that I, I actually wrote and mm-hmm. produced. Uh wow. Corey wrote it with me too. And Janet heard it was like, I need that. I want something like that. So we called Tommy, like, yo. He was like, No. Oh that my god. Like, what? Cause he had Mariah. No, we had Mariah at the time. Mariah was gone. Oh. He had Jennifer. But okay. it was like and and that became the norm. Like every time I wanted somebody to call, it went I it was always no. He would put you on freeze. To keep you exclusive. You was their Kanye. They didn't want you going out. Me. You was the heat maker. And man. I was so I was so distraught because it was like they were stunting you your growth. When yeah. you call my house, yeah, that you would let me work with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy, yeah. bro. So that 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 period of my life, and it was so when, how many when it years got real you think? Crazy, it was like it wasn't. It seemed like forever, but it wasn't long. It was like three, four year period, like two, three year period. Because I don't know if you remember this. You old enough remember this? When Tommy left Sony, mm-hmm. they walked him out the building. Yeah. So, Tommy left. I think Corey hung around for like another year or two, and then he left eventually. But I was still there under that same contract. Mm-hmm. Wow, locked in. Still couldn't work with other. I'm mm-hmm. still stuck. And he's gone. Same, and he's gone. Dang. And here, here's where it got real bad. Nobody in Sony wanted to touch me. Pause. Yeah. Because I was under the Tommy regime. Yeah. Oh, and wow. They was like, nah, you part of Tommy camp. Corey camp, man. We ain't. Oh, so they thought you was bad news. Dang. So you kind of got Tommy, blackballed from a relationship. Tommy was like a, known as a kind of a tyrant a little bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, once he was gone, it was like, ding dong, with the bed, with the yeah, yeah. Dead. So like, yeah. anybody affiliated, affiliated with him, I caught the, so for years, I didn't get a placement. Cause no one, no one would, and I, it wasn't like I didn't have the ability or the skills. No one, yeah, no one would want to touch me cause I was under Tommy's regime. And I yeah. couldn't work with people outside of Sony because I was still stuck under this exclusive contract. So mm-hmm. it was like, I was so stuck. Was it, what do you attest it to? Was it your lawyers or was it just, did you have somebody look over paperwork or did you, were you just happy? I was, just... I was young when I signed the contract. It was my ignorance. Okay. Because this, this is where I messed up at when I signed that first contract. I signed the contract with Sony. My lawyer worked for the same law firm that Sony had. <laughs> they was all tied in together. So they said, we got this contract for you and we got these lawyers for you and they all worked together. You was a uh-huh. lawyer. Now mind you, he was a, and he was a young, new, up and coming lawyer, but he was on the bottom of the floor. Like, I never get the law firm with a whole building and yeah. that, and it was like, but he was on the bottom floor. So I, I had to go to the basement. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a little office in the corner basement. We met, he went over to contract with me. I'm not thinking like, you shouldn't be using a lawyer associated because any lawyer outside of that would have never let me sign exclusive. Right. 
You know what I mean? It'd be yeah, like, no, yeah. this is don't ever do this. Like, but because it was a lawyer officiated, uh, yeah. you know what I'm saying, connected to who Sony was using at the time, I, I just knew I was getting checked. And yeah. I didn't no, think, and it was amazing money, but it was it they they halted what they really could have gave you. Yeah. They stunted yeah. your growth. And wow. and at the time, in true honesty, nobody knew I was gonna take off the way I did, how yeah. fast as I did. Nobody like they are you skilled, you know, you got talent, you 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 you, you know, you got potential, you you make some records, but nobody mm-hmm. knew it was gonna be at the level mm-hmm. and as quickly as it yeah. happened. Like it was like I signed a contract and two months later I had a hit record. Yeah. It was like crazy like that. Yeah. And that made you saw it after, but they didn't want to let you go. Pretty yeah. much. We were so proud of you at home too. Everybody on here, I yeah. mean, we all were super proud of you to be from Connecticut. To hear these records yeah. on the radio and hear that sound and just be able to see you at church or see you in the street or at the mall, anything, yeah. you know, like we were just proud that, you know, and especially all our New Haven brothers, because definitely mm-hmm. they all looked up to you. You know, you were the big homie for right. them. And so we were so grateful that we we had another person in name that was from our small state that was right. making noise in the industry. And like we have a lot of guys from our little yeah. state. that Literally. Make, yeah, I mean Troy Oliver, Troy Taylor, Doobie Troy Powell, Taylor. Mike Clemens, Jonathan DeBose. Like you could run it Deion. down. Like, yeah, Dion, Dion. Like from my generation, yeah. Dion, and you got Billy yeah. and Kevin. Billy, and like, yeah. And now you got Smoke, and you got the Breed. Yeah. Now you got Aaron and, right. and, and Rashid, Rashad, Rashid. Yeah, yeah. Rashad, the, the Breed, yeah. Rashad coming out like making noise in the industry, like platinum plaques. Like this yeah. is so dope from our home little state. You know, Aaron used to play in, in a task force, you know what I mean? Like, right. and to see him to go from go from that to, you know, a superstar right. producer is, is amazing. So shout out to you and, and your team. Uh, do you have a team or are you still working solo? Um, I'm solo, but I have a team. Okay. So my team is Troy Taylor, mm-hmm. still Corn Rooney. I'm still on the both of those umbrellas. Okay. And the, the breed, like, those, those are my little brothers. Like, why you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, why they they that that's 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 my squad. You know, yeah. I don't that and that's pretty much That's the family squad. too though. It's, it's yeah, right yeah, yeah, they like fam. Like when they moved down here, like they hope oh, they don't mind me telling this, like when they first <laughs> moved out here, they stayed with me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm like, Y'all don't worry about that. Just don't worry about no place. Just get here. Just, just get come here. here, stay here, just yeah. come down here, y'all just come here, you know what I'm saying? We'll we'll figure everything else out later. But yeah, that's Damn. that's pretty much my my, my squad right there. That's you know what I'm saying squad. I have I have people that I work with, but for me, a team is you know I'm saying someone that you work with consistently and you can rely on. Like I know if I send the breed a loop or idea, I know it's gonna come back. I know it's gonna come back five. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know what I'm saying and vice versa. Like them, yep, yo, they call me dog. Your dog throw mm-hmm. bass on this. Your dog needs some good time. This your yeah. dog do your things on this throw some keys on this like you know that's yeah. how we that's how we flow wow that's dope and you just found a formula and it works and you keep going yeah pretty much man they grind but they put the grind they paid their dues yeah they definitely did like, i remember in the beginning definitely i remember you know, hearing in the beginning they were living yeah. in new haven i was living in windsor but my studio was in terraville i like wow. an hour 15 20 minute ride for them yeah. they're making that drive every night yeah snowstorms sleep mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying when you hungry, you, you go after it, yeah. man. I remember sleeping in the studio, like, literally for days, you know, not telling my mother I'm not coming home, you know, for a couple of yeah. days and just just 
just working. It's the grind. And I think yeah. a lot of people don't realize, you know, what what it takes to, to make it. You have to sacrifice. You have you have to go through some pain. It has to be a birthing process. Yeah, absolutely. In yeah. this in this industry, there has to be a moment, a season, a time where you have to like I would call it the crossroads. Is you yeah. come to a moment it's like either I'm gonna quit or mm-hmm. I'm gonna push forward. Like one of them is, is is that moment when you face like I can't do this no more or I can't stop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and that's when you get to the place and when you make that decision to go for it, that's when you realize, okay, it was worth it. I'm glad I pushed for it. You know what I mean? Right. It ain't yeah. always easy. Like if you've been I don't know anybody in this business that don't have quote unquote a horror story that ain't signed a bad contract, ain't had a bad experience, a uh, tour, or I mm-hmm. don't know anybody that don't have a story. Like yeah. everybody yeah. got a story on some level. Everybody got a story. Or stories. Period. Yes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, and here's the thing. Gospel, R and B, pop, hip hop, country. Everybody got a story. I don't care what genre of music you've been in. Everybody has went through some things, you know what yes. I mean? To get to where they are. Yeah, that is so true, man. Uh, it, it, but it makes it worthwhile when you have success, you know, because you does. went through that journey. So all the things you went through are brought you to this moment where you can be celebrated. And, you know, yeah. we're here celebrating yeah. you now, bro. Um, let's talk about networking. Um, you've been in some iconic sessions. How, I just want to poise the people on how to carry themselves. Is the artist your friend? When you first get in the session? Yeah. I say nothing. Yeah. If I don't know the artist, we just meeting. The only thing they ever hear me say is, how you doing? Nice to meet you. I'm Troy Oliver. I sit back. To this day, yeah. I sit back and I play my role. I'm mm-hmm. quiet at church mouth. I don't make no noise. When I'm called upon to do my job, I'll do my job. Yeah. And as the session progresses, you know, mm-hmm. we loosen up a little bit, laugh here, tell a couple jokes, we create a then the bond is built, you know, and then you can be more vocal. Yeah. But when I walk in a session, I don't say nothing. Yeah. I'm quiet. That's good. How 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 important is it to network in these settings um, to make alliances? Networking is, I would say, vital to your career. Yeah. The longevity and the success of your career. Uh, case in point, uh, back when in my Sony days, we would have uh, the Aaron boys. What, would you, what was it called back then? I forgot what we called them. Runners? Runners or something. Yeah, runners, something like that. You know, Interns? Or interns. Mm-hmm. You know, young young people coming from college that want to learn, you know, that want to be engineers or really want to be producers, but they start out on an engineering level. Gophers. That's what gophers, we used to call gophers, them. Gophers, yeah. They would gopher. Yeah, young yeah. dudes that could engineer or produce or whatever, but mm-hmm. it was running back and forth to the store, getting snacks, getting yep. food. You know, 20 years ago, you know what I'm saying? Now, the same dude that was a gopher is an executive over at Ariston. You yeah, know? wow. And because I didn't treat him, Ooh. you know what I'm saying, yeah. as a peasant, yeah. and I maintained a relationship with him down through the years, mm-hmm. now I can walk into the executive's office. Yo, man, so good yeah. to see you, man. Oh, man, it's been... Yo, man, I remember when I used to go get your sandwiches. And, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Versus me being a jerk. Yeah. Back then, you know what I'm saying? That's That was networking. 
that yeah. was building a relationship. Because one thing, you never know who's going to be who in the mm. industry. You don't. You never you don't. know who's going to turn out to be the next. You just you just never know. Yeah. So it's vitally important to network. And I always say treat people with respect, man. It's like, I, I don't understand people that, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't like people that are arrogant and treat people no. nasty and mean and rude. That's not me. That's not my character. Because mm-hmm. you never know who that person going to be two years from now. Absolutely. Well, it goes against, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated, right? And yeah. that, that's another notch on your belt for longevity because I'm sh- everybody that I talk to, everybody that knows you is, says you're a nice person. Um, usually they say nice guys don't finish, you know, finish last, but well, I don't think so. I think there are a lot of jerks that are in powerful places, but I think mm-hmm. the people that have long careers – um, those people have good morals. And I think, you know, right. salute to you again for being one of those yeah. people because you're right. You you don't know who you meet 20 years later could be your your advance or your demise, you know? Literally. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. That's the game, That's, though. That is the game. All right. Uh, you you dropped so many gems, bro. Let's let's play a game. Okay. okay. This game This game is called Rapid Fire. So I'm okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an either or and you just tell me what your choice is. All right? Okay, it's no, okay, nothing all right. crazy, just just fun stuff. Um so let's do analog or digital. Ooh. Recording or instrument? Re- recording. Analog. Analog. You like the warm sound. Analog all day. Okay. So you record it digital, then you run it through tape? Analog. Yeah, analog. Okay. Akai or machine? Akai. Akai. Um, the MPC 2000, 3000, or 4000? I got to choose one out of three. Yeah, one out of three. Mm. Three. The three unlimited, the black one. The black 3000. The Roger Lynn. Yeah. The Roger Lynn. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get one before yeah. Jesus comes back. Yeah. <laughs> Hit Factory, New York or L.A.? New York, hands down. Okay. Hit Factory, New York or Sony Studios, where you made all your hits? Mmm. Mmm, that's tough. Mmm. <laughs> both historic buildings, man. I know you had some yeah. crazy sessions in there. In both of them. Wow. Ooh, that's tough. I don't know. Can't pick one? I would say Sony. Sony? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Miami or Houston? Miami. Miami. New York or LA? 20 years ago, New York. Today, LA. LA, right. I know you love LA. Um, Logic or Pro Tools? Logic. Logic, okay. Italian food or Spanish food? Ooh, you're a food connoisseur. Kind of for, for those of y'all who don't know, Ooh. Troy, if y'all follow his page, he loves food. He's a foodie, man. So, like, my, my guy eats at the finest restaurants, and he always, I'm always texting him, like, yo, where's that? <laughs> and me and Sherry are always looking at social media, like, you see Troy's plate? So, <laughs> so Troy is a foodie, man. So, what are we doing? Italian, we're from the Northeast. See, we're missing a lot of that stuff down here because we yeah, back home, you like know, ain't, ain't nothing mm-hmm. like that down here. So we're going Italian or Spanish. Food? I got to go to Italian. I got to go to Italian. Italian. Okay. Got to go All Italian. Right. Surf and turf or soul food? Seafood and steak or soul food? Surf and turf. 
Surf and turf. You that guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, pizza or Chinese? Pizza, hands down. Pizza, hands down. All right. Guitar or keys? Guitar. Guitar. Wow. It's my favorite instrument. Really? That's amazing. Yeah, I love, this. I love guitar. That's dope. Um, let's go. Let's see. Uh, Nike or Adidas? Nike. Nike. Uh, Celtics or Lakers? Lakers. Yamaha Nord Nord Korga Roland, the big four. I got all of them in here, too. (laughs) If you needed a weapon. You would think, based off my room, Mm -hmm. it was Korg, but I would have to go Yamaha. Yamaha, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, What season is your favorite? Fall. Fall. In Connecticut. Layers, because I was yeah. gonna say summer fashion or winter fashion: coats and boots, or short sneakers and tees. Coats and boots. Coats and Tens, boots. All you day. like my wife. My wife loves layers, boy. <laughs> yeah. She put a scarf on in a minute. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Uh, Patriots or Cowboys? Patriots. That's easy. <laughs> That's the easiest one you asked me. Ah, uh, no, you're a Patriots fan. I had to mess with you. All right. All right. Do you prefer writing the song or producing the track? Producing the track. Yeah. Producing the Giving track. Giving the writer the the inspiration to write. Mm. So what do you hear first? I mean, I, I know it varies, but do you hear a beat first? Do you hear a pad, a pattern or chord pattern? For me, most of the time it's it's chords. Yeah. I hear the I hear the, the chord, the melody first before the beat. Do you tell the writer or do you let the writer make the melody? So you make I these always tracks. I get rider freedom. Nah, no, I let okay. the riders go for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right, Taylor, are you on here? You ready, Tay? We're gonna play a game. Another game. It's called Respect My Catalog. And I'm gonna play a record, and you gotta tell me a story from that record, or tell me some background about the record, something you produced. Okay. All right. That's cool. Taylor, you ready? Track one. about that record i'm real bro by jennifer lopez so that was that was uh the remix actually to the original okay the original i'm real was another sample that i did with um dj les dj les shout out uh remember les Mm -hmm. we did that uh and um they we sent it over to uh i can't think earth earth got in them you know what I'm saying, yeah. and uh, you know, going back and forth, you know, production wise, and niggas took the sample, and yeah. that was pretty much it. Yeah, wow, yeah, okay. And that was in what 01, right? Yep, 01, yeah, 
Oh, that was the one that broke. That was the one that broke the. Uh, that broke, was your first your your yeah. big, your big hit your first one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go to the next record tape, please. Shout out to Taylor, my cousin. She's helping me. Oh, okay. What song is this, y'all? Type it in the comments. This man's a legend. In the Jeep. Yeah, I mean, this is a classic hit. Shout out to you, bro. Also, I think you were uh, Billboard staff. Uh, Billboard staff uh, named you or named this song one of the top 50 uh, songs of the 21st century. Yeah. That, top that's 50 R&B songs, yeah. Yeah, one of the top 50 R&B songs of the 21st century. That's the yeah. that's a classic record, bro. Yeah, definitely classic. Um, people saying they had no idea. To this day, people saying they had no idea you did this record. Really? Yeah. <laughs> They've been um, under a rock, huh? That's you from Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. True story about this record. I never forget it. Um, I was on my way to to the studio. We was working out of a studio in Long Island called Lobo Studio, and I was actually on my way to work with G. He was in town for like a week, mm-hmm. and I'm just listening to the radio, Hot 97 time, listening to the radio, trying to get inspired, get some inspiration. <clears throat> And I'm just like, just hearing all kind of listening to hip hop and the R&B, everything that they're playing. And, when, you know, when we get in the studio, you know, back then I was a little younger, you know, I, I used to partake in some different types of libations. Libations. You know, we, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know a little Hennessy, a little whatever. But um, so G got in the, he came in and it was our first time meeting. Wow. And we just vibed, we clicked. Um, and he was just telling stories about like, you know, he had just recently lost his. So a lot of people don't know. What story is about his mother? Wow. He's talking to his mom. If you pay attention to the lyrics, there's nothing real sexual, nothing real sensual. My, my whole life has changed since you came in. You know what I'm saying? Dude, back then, he's really talking about his mom because his mom just passed. His father had died. And he's just in a real, he's in a real different place. Yeah. And uh, so i never forget, I was in the studio. I did that on my roads. My yeah, suitcase, I can hear real, it. Yeah. Real roads. Um, and I was playing with the melody and he walked in the room. And I was just about to switch it up. He's like, yo, yo, what's that? Keep that. And so I just played it through. And like, we literally did that song. We produced it and wrote it all in one night at the same time. Like The first night you met him. A- wow. That's a great yeah. story. Wow. So the first yeah. night you met him, yeah. you created that record. You were playing around. And he, he said, keep it. And then you just yeah. from there made the record. I, I remember walking out the studio for the first cut. It was one of those studios with the bathroom. We had a kitchen. Everything mm-hmm. was, I didn't have to leave the room. Yeah. But we didn't have windows to the outside. Okay. When I walked out the studio, when I walked in, it was daytime. When I walked out, it was turning morning again. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I remember those There was no concept of time. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize we was in there that long. That long, it yeah. It was just like, yeah. It was wow. a dope vibe, crazy vibe. We did, like, eight records that week. Yeah. Four of them made the album, but we did, like, eight, yeah. 
but the, that rec, that one record changed the game, man. And yeah. it was so simple, right? Yeah. So simple, but still so, so tasteful. Simple. Yeah. So simple. And I think you guys fooled us with the, because it's attributed as a love song, but we're not thinking it's a tribute to his mom and like him speaking mm-hmm. about his mother. Nah. Yeah. 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 That's the power that's, of music, man. It's multiple yeah. facets, right? Another story about that song is I didn't like that video. <laughs> I remember when the video came out, I was like, what was hype thinking? He got this floating in a chair in the middle of the sky. Like, what is this? I thought the record was going to flop because the video, I, I felt like it was like bad. Yeah. Video, but, you know, what do I hype, know? Hype was creative with his uh, approach yeah. to different things. Yeah. Go back and watch that video and we'll pay attention. You'll be like, wait, what? The video Definitely. has nothing to do with the song. Also, um, the name of the song, right? Everybody, when I asked them what the name of the song was, everybody said, my whole life has changed. My whole life has changed. <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows, because when you say differences, nobody's, nobody right. knows the name of the song. So I think that's hilarious. Another that was, story to go. That was G's idea. Like, he was like, his, he wanted to take that one line, you made the difference in my life. In my life. Okay. So he called differences. We didn't argue about it, but I was like, okay, I don't know, but okay, like... <laughs> Because my whole life has changed is the phrase he says all the time. Right. Know? So, like, you would, the key mm-hmm. phrase, right? All right, let's go to the next record, Tay. If you're looking for closure, don't take it closer. No matter how hard we try, we can't say it's over. Keep going in circles. Over and over, over and over, over and over again. We go in circles, keep going in circles. Over and over. Dope record, man. Talk to me about that record with Trigger Trey. Oh, man. So I met Trey when he was 15 years old. Wow. Troy signed him when he was like 15, 16 years old. I'll never forget. I was in his factory studio. Mm-hmm. Troy walked in. He's like, yo, my new artist. I'm about to sign him. Give yeah. me some tracks, man. I'm like, bet. Mm-hmm. Met him. We hung out. Gave him some tracks. They came back a few days later, played me some fire that Troy and Trey had did. And I was like, you know, when he was 15. So yeah. I've known Trey for a very, very, very long time. Right. <clears throat> and ironically, I never had a chance to get on any of his records. You know, mm-hmm. remember what I said earlier? Yeah, they had you locked up. Contract. Yeah. So, you know, finally, you know, got free, whatever. But um, that circles, that track I actually did in 2017. Mm. So tell and me what track. your involvement on. You, you produced that track. You made the beat. Yeah, I did the track. So it was, I'll never forget. I, I came back from L.A., one of my L.A. trips, and I was just inspired. Yeah. And I was just being creative. Just like, I don't care. There's no... I'm saying no yeah. walls, no, no box. I'm just gonna play what I feel. Right. And um, we switched up the drums. Troy Teller switched up the drums a little bit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that 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 track I did in 2017 in uh, Breland. I don't even know Breland, the writer. Yeah. He's a country artist now. Don't touch my truck. Got that song. Don't touch my oh, truck. Wow. Breland's dope. He's such a dope writer. Him and Troy. I think Trey wrote it too. Like it came out in 2020, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that the track was already like track was three years old. Wow, and that went platinum. No, it was number Not one on one? Billboard. Which one? Okay, that was on Billboard. Yeah, I saw yeah, you yeah. holding a tray. Was it a tray uh, plaque for? No, nah, it was the that was it was tray because it was the number one album on Billboard. Oh, number one album on Billboard. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, yeah. Right. R&B. Yeah. Super dope. So working with Troy Taylor, you had some opportunities, uh, you know, to do some television stuff. Talk to us yeah. about that. Yeah. Oh, Star, man. I know. I miss some Star Trek. My wife loves Listen. Star, bro. <laughs> she loved Yo, that show. It was, it was so much fun. Again, creative freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, I did, like, you know, I've got the opportunity through Troy, mm-hmm. who... Uh, was working with uh, John Tay Austin. He was the yeah. wow. musical su- music supervisor over the, you know what I'm saying, the wow. show. Mm-hmm. So working with Lee is like, it's dope, but it ain't mm-hmm. easy because Lee is very particular about what he hears sonically and he knows, Absolutely. he knows what he wants. So it was a challenge every week. Mm-hmm. Every week, you know what I'm saying? Yo, we need something like this. Do something like this. Oh, we need something so y'all like, creating you know. fresh, fresh songs <laughs> every week. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Absolutely. So we are locked in like a like a boot camp kind of situation? The first time we all met, it was a boot camp situation. After that, I locked in from the I locked in from the house. Yeah. Like I was just like Troy called me like, yo, I need such Lee's looking for something like this. Lee needs Dante wants this, da da da. And that's how that's how it went, literally. New fresh new fresh joints every week. Wow. Every Did week. you do something on Empire too? Um I did something for star that ended up being okay. on empire oh wow that's cool <laughs> okay yeah yeah i remember that i remember that's what made me yeah. ask because i remember yeah. you doing some empire stuff and then star of course that stuff was hot yeah star was i missed that show man i missed some checks though i'm sorry i i saw your imdb account i said this man is official boy <laughs> them, them, them syndicated checks that's what's up man say let's skip that one let's go to number five Yeah, man, that was your yeah. super smash, Jenny from the Block. Talk to us about that iconic Jenny record, from bro. the Block. So we were working on the second album. Corey's like, listen, the first album is dope, da da da. I need you to take it up another notch, another level. Come down, lock in. I was in New York for like a week straight, seven days, just in the studio, just working, vibing. And I heard it was a a, a Beat Nuts hip hop record. I don't know if yeah. you're the Beat Nuts. Mm-hmm. And so I found the original and I wanted to see like, okay, what elements did they take? Because I just want to, I'm going to take from the original. I want to yeah. take from them. So I heard the original. I'm like, I mean, I can play this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I played it. Played like, it over. For the motif, the bass. And so I got the yeah. bass actually from the Proteus. The Proteus wow, the uh, Proteus the 2000. Right? <laughs> Real Proteus 2000. Yes. The bass is from the Proteus 2000. I remember it was just a track. So I had like uh, a dat. Remember the dat? You have mm-hmm. dat? Tapes, I yep. gave I gave Tor- Corey a dat, like twenty joints, twenty tracks, and that was on it, and it stood out to me. Like, oh yeah, this is dope, this is mm-hmm. dope for Jennifer. So Andre Dale from Connecticut mm-hmm. yep. came up. I, matter of fact, it was around this time of year. It was around my birthday time. I was like, okay, get it. 
Nice. I left I left track at the studio. We was at Hit Hit Factory at the time. I left a dad at the studio. I said, yo, Dre, him and Antonio, they was all down there working. Like, y'all pick something out right to I'm saying it's all Jennifer stuff. It's yeah. all track that was food for Jennifer. And my artist I had at the time, her name was Tasha, Tasha Ramos. Fire. Mm-hmm. She's from Hartford, Connecticut. See, too, that was her I... that's her singing on the background. Wow. So, uh, I know it's my birthday time because it's my son's birthday, and he's June fourth. Okay, right before I'm, I'm the ninth, and uh, I'm married at the time. My first wife, she threw a cookout for it, and mm-hmm. I remember specifically because I'm like, I don't want to share a cookout with my four year old son. <laughs> like you know, like back then we used to turn up. Like I'm not yeah, having a cookout with my four year old son. I tried to turn up. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we had a cookout. I got the call. They're like, Yo, we just did a banger for Jennifer. Listen to us. So they playing it over the speaker. Mind you, I'm in Groton. Yeah. They're in New they're in they're in New York. They had stayed up all night. I was like, yo, bring it here. Bring yeah. it. I don't want to yeah. play. No, come. So they I want to hear it on my New speakers. York. Yeah. They drove from New York. I never had an expedition, the green expedition, sat on some twenties, had a killer system in it. I remember they that. brought it up. I remember that yeah. green truck? Mm-hmm. They brought it up. I put it in. I was like, oh my God, pause. That was crucial. I yeah. I played it. I'm like, wow, yo, this is crazy. And played it for Corey the next day. Yeah, it was out of here. Flew Jennifer in like two days later, cut it. Here's where it get even more crazy. So the record was done, right? Um, it get le- it gets leaked on the radio. Whoa, who leaked it? Ninety hot ninety seven. It got leaked on ninety three point seven in Connecticut. Connecticut, somebody. Oh, your girl. <laughs> One of her family members got it. Check it. So. I get called in the office that Monday, spazzing on me. Somebody in your camp, who yeah. da 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 Like Tommy going sick. Like yeah. you guys da 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 da. Like they spazzing on me. I'm like, yo. So of course I called my camp. I'm spazzing on them. Like yo, yeah. why y'all doing this? Like they pleading the case. Oh, we didn't do it. We didn't leak it. Nothing. So that was years ago. Yeah. Why I find out just recently, like three or four years ago, Tom <laughs> Tommy was the one that leaked the record. Tommy, Tommy was totally leaked the record. Come leaked on, the record. he leaked it to ninety three point seven in Connecticut, so it wouldn't be tied to him if he leaked <sighs> it in New York. Whoa! But, yeah. Yep, he leaked the record. Uh, but why like, did he why leak it? it? What was the reasoning? He was like, he he felt like it was ready to go. He's oh, like, we're wow. not gonna sit on this. So like, he wanted to get the buzz like, going. Got you. Yep, he got the butt, you know, and he, he knew what he was doing because you know what I'm saying it took off. Wow, he he did. That was amazing, yeah. man. Yeah. Iconic record. Then like, so what was your role on that record? And then what did the track masters do? They so I was, of course, I produced it. The original producer, they basically mm-hmm. came in and did like the the scratches and yeah, okay, all the little uh the little like samples you hear in like the little yeah. vocal samples and stuff right, like right. that. Yeah, okay, that's pretty much what they did. Yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. That's dope, man. I- iconic, man. I mean, like I said, it was another win for Connecticut. We were super hyped telling everybody that yeah. our, our brother, you know, did that record, man. We was super no pumped doubt. to be from the same place you were to, to say, you know, our guy did that record. So, man, congrats no and salute to, salute to you, Appreciate man. It. Also, congratulations for uh, your recent uh, award that you won, the 2022 ASCAP Rhythm and Soul Award. <clears throat> Yeah. What you know about love with the pop smoke? Rest yeah. in peace to pop smoke. Pop smoke. But yeah, rest in peace. How do you feel getting acclaim from a record that is twenty years old? It's amazing. That's the beautiful part about music, bro. It is something Corey told me a long time ago. 
He said, always try to make classic records. Timeless music, yeah. He said, a, a, he said, a classic record will have you eating for the rest of your life. He said, don't yeah. always be trendy. Don't always do what you hear on the radio. Right from your soul. Yeah. Organic. Yeah. He said, you'll eat for the rest of your life. And I can't tell you how many times that record has been sampled. I was about to say, what's your favorite version? Because I, I, I watched an uh, interview with James and Tume. He was telling mm-hmm. us, tell us how many times Juicy been sampled, Juicy right. Food have been sampled, and you know, he said he loved the Biggie version and he liked the Keisha Cole version. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, you know, yes, song has been sampled a bunch of times, and I know at least mm-hmm. I can name two uh, with the G Easy version, and mm-hmm. then also with the uh, Money Bag Yo version. Money Bag you know, Yo. My favorite, my favorite versions is the Money Bag Yo and the uh, Pop Smoke. Pop Smoke. I like yeah. Pop Smoke because Pop Smoke left it real. Organic. They ain't, all they did was speed it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ain't like that was it. It was yeah. really is the record. It really was the record. Yeah. Wow, that's dope, man. Salute yeah. to you for for winning on you know like that timeless record that just won't die, man. It's you're so blessed, yeah. man. I think those hands are blessed, and anything you put your hands yeah. to, man, it's gonna keep living and growing, bro. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, appreciate it. Yes, sir. Let's play one final game, uh, and then I'll let you go. Cause you, I know the game is on. You're gonna want to watch the game, uh, catch a little bit of it. Um, mm. What's your? We're gonna play Troy's ultimate set list. And out of all the records you've done, you got to pick five records that you love to make a set list or a playlist. Out of my records. records. Out of your records. Okay, that's pretty pretty much easy. You don't play half of them already. <laughs> nah, you got you got joints. <laughs> Uh, definitely differences up there. And they don't have to be hits. It just could be what means, yeah. to, you know, your favorite mm-hmm. joints. Differences is up there, definitely. Differences, okay. Uh, Someone to Love You is up there. Oh, uh, I gotta love your record. Uh, that song, Secretly, I told you about. Okay. On um, Jennifer's album. I forgot which album that was. I think that was the J-Lo album. A song called Dif- uh, Secretly. Um, song I did with Blue Contrail. Okay. I gotta Risk go check that all. one out. Called Risk, Risk It All. Blue Risk Control. It All. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Charmel Cofield wrote it. Amazing. Dope. Um, and number five, my favorite, I would have to say, I got so many that weren't singles, man. <sighs> That's tough. I was, I was, oh, that's a tough one. You know what I would say? The song I did with Faith. Wow. Faith How was that? Were you Troy, in the studio with, with Troy her? Taylor. With Troy Taylor. We wow. heard Troy Taylor in the studio years ago. Mm-hmm. This uh, Ayana Vizant had did a soundtrack to one of her books. Yeah. And the name of the song is called Back Where I Started. Back Where I Started. Wow. I'll never get it. in the key of C. Troy told me to do whatever. He's like, it's faith. But I asked him, like, what should I do? He's like, it's faith. She can do anything. Do whatever. Just play. <laughs> yeah. Just play. Right. And I, I got in my creative bag and just like, yeah, yeah. But oh, that's dope. That's dope. Y'all check these check these records out. This is Troy's ultimate set list. Thank you for your time, big bro. I, I have just one man. final seg- section to ask you. You're a family guy. How important is family to you? Number one. Yeah. Number one. Family keeps you humble. Keeps you grounded. Uh, I'm I'm a big believer in though. Family is who you choose. Okay. Family isn't always. I, we're connected who we are, blood-wise and DNA. 
Yeah. But that doesn't always necessarily make you family. Okay. You know, I have people that I'm connected to that aren't that do, that do not have my DNA or my blood, but yeah. I consider them family. You know, yeah. brothers and sisters. So family, I I believe, is it keeps you keeps me grounded, keeps me real. Yeah. You know. Family don't see it. me at Troy Oliver Dooza. They be like, ah, right, nigga, whatever. <laughs> like, what time you showing up? Uh, right, right, what time right. you putting? What time you starting to grill up, nigga? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, that's so, yeah, so Family for me is very important. Not necessarily blood related, but it's it's what nah. they mean to you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, what advice would you give as mature as mature Troy? What advice would you give young Troy? Stay focused. Mm-hmm. Don't get distracted. Yeah. Don't let the distractions cause you to lose focus and go off track. Yeah. And keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Because young, young Troy is pretty focused. Yeah. Got a little distracted along the way, but he's pretty, <laughs> he's pretty focused. He made it. He made it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, lastly, um, what does legacy mean to you and how do you want to be remembered? Legacy, man, it's important, man. I just want I want to be remembered for who I really am, truly am. Yeah. You know, committed, faithful, to a fault sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Humble, creative. Yeah. You know, giving heart, caring. You know who I really am. Yeah. You want people to see you yeah. for who you really are, caring yeah. individual. I, I got you, you know, man. Just, just say nice things about me. I, I'm not. I'm not. And tell the truth. You know, yeah. Bob was a jerk to you at some point in time. Well, he was a jerk. You know, I could have been a jerk, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then that time, yeah. Yeah, you catch me on the right day, you know, you never know. <laughs> well, bro, thank yeah. you so much. I One last question. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of stole this from another pod I saw, but who would you like me to interview next? And if you, if you have a name, if I don't know the person already, can you introduce me to that person? Who would I like you to interview next? Um, well, I mean, you're getting uh, Troy Teller, so Hopefully. I would say Hopefully him or uh, <laughs> definitely Kim, Corey, Bree, yeah. you know, yeah. my circle. Absolutely. Okay. You know? Well, we have to work that out. I know. I definitely yeah. know the breed. I definitely work with those guys. But yeah. put a word in with me with Troy, see if we can get him in here. And then also, you yeah. know, Corey, the, the legend, and I would love yeah. to talk to him. That's a wrap, big bro. Thank you so much, man. I'm so grateful to you, man. Um, Enjoy your birthday. Everybody say happy birthday to Troy, man. You know, God has blessed you with an amazing life and amazing story. And we, I'm grateful that you took the time to sit down with me, bro. Um, Like I said, you're a legend from our hometown, and that legend transcends to the globe, bro. And and you deserve to be saluted, man. And it's nothing but love and respect over here from your brother down the road man you know we come all yeah. the way from connecticut all the way to georgia all and it's still the same georgia. love yeah still the same love so enjoy your day yeah. tomorrow bro and i appreciate you thank you so much for being a part of the in the pocket with chip g podcast bro thank you so much no doubt man appreciate it thank you everybody for joining and uh and uh, i'm so overwhelmed at the support of this podcast thank you everyone for coming uh together and spending your wednesday night with me um our next podcast will be coming up next week i believe yes little john roberts will be here for part two on thursday june 16th so we'll be coming together to do part two of in the pocket with chip g episode four part two with little john roberts emmy award-winning drummer music director 
and adjunct professor for Berkeley College of Music. He is a legend in the game, and he has a lot to tell us on part two of episode four. So be there next week, next Thursday at 8 p.m. Thank you all for coming out. Continue to find your niche. Continue to stay in the pocket, and I'll talk to you next week. God bless.